we found that the people who really are real proper seafood connoisseurs and the actual diners are sticking with it as well as that they really just love a piece of fish cooked simply um, with, with, with a simple side. Um, prawns and oysters and things like that don't need to be doled up. They don't need sauces. They don't need anything like that. It is high summer and it's time to head to the coast. I am super excited today to have as our guest Sam Clayton. Sam is from Woiwoi Fisherman's Wharf where they've been serving the freshest seafood on the Central Coast for over 40 years. Uh, Sam, so good to have you on the show. Welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks so much for having me on board. Give it, set the scene for us at, at the Woiwoi Fisherman's Wharf. Um, well, we've been here um, slinging seafood for um, a few generations now. My grandparents started it back in the um, 70s. Uh, my uh, parents have been doing it since the 80s and I've been back here for about 12 years now, even though I worked here when I was a teenager and you know, gave me all my spending money as a, as a kid. Um, yeah, so it's been... Um, uh, summer's silly. Summer is the you know is the season for sea food, so it's um yeah it's we're excited to get stuck into it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's a it's a multi pronged business. Tell us about the different aspects to what you do there um, at Woiwoi Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, we've always kind of um, offered almost like a trident of, of, of businesses. We've offered like a, um, a restaurant, a, a fresh seafood retail and takeaway fish and chip shop. Uh, we've always kind of like believed in a bit of a horizontal integration, as my, as my folks like to say, which is where the fish shop feeds the other sections. Um, so it's a good place to kind of come down. You can come and dine in if you want, get oysters and prawns inside and sit down and have a glass of wine, or you can just get in. Go and um, take away, go and sit in the park, um, or you can take it home and cook. That's always been um, our approach: is that it's um, it's the best way to make sure that you're, especially with perishable products, that you actually got multiple options for the usage for um, for your customers. And I mean, the whole idea with you know being waterside is that the fish comes from just over there. You can sort of point to it. I mean, where does the seafood that you serve and sell come from? Uh, we've got like a um, we've got a general approach to trying to ensure that we use pretty much um, at least ninety percent of Aussie seafood, and the other ten percent is pretty much taken up with kiwi things like um, uh, snapper um, and John Dory things like that as well. Um, and then we have like a small spattering of of um, like Southeast Asian things like octopus and squid and things like that as well. But it's um, we try and keep it as as local as possible. Um, we've always had a really good relationship with with local fishermen, especially the ones who fish the Hawkesbury and Tugri Lakes. Um, and then we've even got um, um, all of our rock oysters um, come from um, like a, um, an oyster farmer who's um, he's got multiple leases all over Brisbane water. So you can actually, um, like when you dine in the restaurant, you can see him fanging past in his, um, in his barge <laughs> multiple <laughs> times a day. Love that. Yeah. It's so great. There's something so special about eating seafood that, you know, is just from the area. It is. Well, like we're kind of blessed here. It's that whole thing is that, you know, they say Australia is like an arid continent, but, um, and it's most fertile areas are all around river mouths. Um, so being at the mouth of the Hawkesbury, which is a particularly fertile river, it's kind of means that you would do get lots of really beautiful seafood around here. You get all things like uh, mullet, uh, whiting, um, jewfish, uh, blackfish, um, yeah, like uh, m many, many species, which we kind of tr try and champion here as well. So it's, um, I think it's a sign of where we are is that like our most popular fish is still mullet after all these years. 
Oh, that's so interesting. Um, how do people love their mullet? Oh, um, uh, personal preference. I'm, I like. I like when it's just caught and you just kind of skin and bone it, and you just and you just pan fry it with a bit of butter and shallots. It comes up an absolute treat. But um, like a lot of the oldies that come in, they just they just like it plain old battered. Fantastic. I love that. I mean, generational businesses are, are always interesting. Like, tell tell us about what it was like for you to grow up in and around um, your your family business. Uh, yeah, well, it's kind of uh, like I like to say that it's um, it's the only constant in my whole life is this place. Uh, I mean, said because um, my parents uh, they they did this, but they were also property flippers. They so we moved every three to four years, basically, when we were growing up. Um, so it was always I've always found this place to be home. It's um, but it's nice to really uh, like just help out and add to the business after all these years. Like my grandparents started it because they got, and my parents, sorry, like, like, say, my, like, like my whole family's always been in produce. My, my grandfather was one of the people who first set up um, produce for, for Woolies decades and decades ago. Um, and then he got, he got, had a midlife crisis and decided to um, move out of the city, move up to Woiwei. Um, started the seafood business up here. Um, and then my parents, um, they, they were both journos and decided they just wanted to kind of get out of the city and see what they could explore outside of the city, came up here and I, I have actually kind of mirrored my life where I got out of this, I got out of this and decided to go and work in media for a little while and then didn't like it very much and um, ended up coming back here, which was only supposed to be for summer, like, like my parents did and we've ended up, everyone's ended up staying here. Geez, I'm feeling like um, the only journalist that's stuck it out. I should be on the coast somewhere as well, <laughs> doing the beautiful things with seafood. Oh well, no, it's it was more. Yeah, it's like it is funny in that sense. So it's um, my, uh, like my wife still um, she like she worked in media as well, and she's um, she's now working as a um, interior designer as well. So it, like it was more that thing of um, like I don't know if it happens to you, but you get on a run of uninspiring projects and decide to try your hand at something else. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily I get to um, do something fun every day, which is talk to people about food. So I reckon yeah. I'll... Oh, I'll, well, yeah, like, like, like you're lucky and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to stick with it. Um, so, I mean, what about when you sort of came up to the business and, and ended up staying? What, what do you reckon, what did you bring to it? What, what sort of changes did you and your um, partner make? Um, well, when we came up, we... Um, uh, like, like it was when Sydney was in, um, instituting those uh, small uh, new small bar licenses, which was almost twelve years ago now, uh, where they made them a lot cheaper and easy, um, easy to access. So I'd just come up and I'd, I was just hounding my parents because, like, it had always been a um, BYO um, uh, restaurant. So I just said, oh, you, you know, they they should get a license. They should get a license. My sister. Um, uh, is a like is a sommelier and she's got a lot of awards for her wine list of the year. So I said, just get Michaela to do a, a wine list for you. And they said, oh, only like like we can only be bothered doing it if you spearhead it. So I kind of came up and decided to take it over for 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 a summer to see what I could do. And we ended up just just changing the vibe of the place from being quite utilitarian to trying to give it a bit more of a um uh like. Like as my wife and I had, had come from production design perspective in media, we decided to try and give the place a bit of a fresh up look. So, so like fresh look to it. We, we gave it a bit of a crab shack vibe. Um, and people seemed to really res respond well to that. They, um, we, 
we started seeing like a bit of an upturn in business and the actual uh, wine list we thought was like was always going to be fun to work with in the idea of that having just a basic fish and chip menu uh, with very obscure left fields upmarket wines um, and it, it's it's just been a thing that people have responded really well to like and so we've just built on that um, in in the last five years my like my wife and I worked with um, some builders design um, an architect and um, uh, some people to help redesign the restaurant and that was in 2017. Um, that was also a redesign, but also out of full necessity as well, because the place was actually going to fall in the water if we didn't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, how would you describe it now? If you know, if I walked in, what what would I? How would it feel? Uh, well, we've always like one of the things that people really loved about the old place was that was its shack feel, um, which was that you could literally dangle your arm over the edge, and even though it was up above the water, felt like you were right there on the water. So when we were doing the um, the refit, we really wanted to bring nature in as much as possible. Um, we've got like a little mangrove island across from us, um, and the water is generally quite still here as well. It's, like it's quite a beautiful little landscape. So when you do those sorts of designs, you, like you don't really want to. Um, shut out the outside world you want to bring it in as much as possible so we really just tried to work with making still maintaining that feel of that you were right there on the water and you're part of the water and so having that all the um, floor to ceiling windows and the natural timber um, hardwood hardwood look all through it and then um, very just um, like kind of muted um, wicker chairs and everything like that as well just really kind of makes it feel like you're of part of nature while you're here as well um not to mention with all the like with the floor to ceiling windows when the especially when the tide's moving quickly it does feel like you're almost like bobbing on a boat oh it sounds so good and, and what about the menu like what are there some dishes that you know are sort of bolted on or is it very much responding to the seafood that's coming through um, we we have a like, we have a bit of both. We've had like a, um, a uh, like a few core menu items that have stayed on for forty years plus, um, which have been um, you know things like platters and um, whole like just just everyone loves a, a whole individual sized snapper. That's kind of it's <laughs> one of the, like just uh, grilled simply, which is just like just with a few veg. Um, We've also um, also just tried to really work with uh, with raw product as much as possible. So we do like we're just using the other local oysters, local sashimi. Um, that's always been a, like like a staple uh, barbecue scampi. And then we have like a rotating fish list, which um, and specials list, which happens every day. And that depends on what we get from local fishermen and our other suppliers, which comes in through daily. Where do you think the Australian diner is at in terms of seafood? Have you noticed a lot of changes? Like have people become more adventurous, less adventurous? Are they looking for, you know, classics or something a bit different and contemporary? Um, well, we've got like a like, we, like our like our simple ethos with with um, with seafood has always been keep it simple, stupid, which is um, like seafood. I know we're going to sound completely biased. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to sound completely biased when I say this anyway. Is that seafood is the, the most perfect food group? You don't. Um, you actually don't need to do anything to it to actually make it better. Um, so we, if uh, we feel like if you try and play around with seafood too much, you've failed already um, with it. So it's um, we and we found that the people who really are real proper seafood connoisseurs and the actual diners are sticking with it as well as that they really just love a piece of fish cooked simply um, with, with, with a simple side. Um, prawns and oysters and things like that don't need to be doled up. They don't need sauces. They don't need anything like that. They just need to be 
uh, sort of like that. And we found like we like our business has never um, dropped off or uh, suffered in any way. In, in in that like financially, thankfully, like we've managed to get through COVID while a lot of others have struggled. But um, and we are eternally thankful for that. But it's um. We haven't seen the diners' cha- uh, tastes change overly much. If, if anything, they've kind of turned away from uh, people who play around with it too much to kind of, kind of coming back to simplicity. Um, and I said, we'll be, we'll be eternally grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, obviously that all rests on the quality of the seafood. So, oh, they- 100%. 100%. Yeah. It has to be good seafood. Like that's, and that's the thing is if, if it's really good seafood, you don't have to do anything to it. You can just put it on a plate and people will enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really agree. Like, I mean, I, I love oysters and I, I know that, you know, often they come with like a mignonette or something and I feel bad that, you know, someone's gone to all that trouble to chop those shallots so beautifully, but I still don't want to put them on my oysters because I just want to taste the oyster itself. Um, but, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. That's it. Like, um, <laughs> I can, I, like, like when I get um, oysters in from my oyster farmer every day, I'll, like I pretty much take it just to tray home by myself and just eat a dozen to myself and just as they are every day. Yeah. I mean, you've got to do that quality. <laughs> control don't you Sam so yeah. yeah well that's what I call it that's what I like to call it <laughs> that's fantastic um and what about staffing I mean it's you know a challenge throughout the hospitality and you know food service industry uh you know th- around the world really but particularly in regional areas how do, how do you guys go for that uh, we've always struggled to um, to find quality staff, and we always found that when we found really good ones, we try and hold on to them as long as possible. Um, uh, it has been uh, like uh, like an, like this is. I was actually chatting to my old man the other day, and he was saying that this is the hardest um, time they've had in their in, since for like how long they've owned it for thirty five years with with COVID, and then um, with the staffing issues which have risen from that, um, which is. It's it, like it was that thing, and like I, um, I look at my Seek ads that I put out for um for um staff on in two thousand and nineteen pre COVID I had two hundred and twenty applications for a wait staff position, um and then um when I, I put one out. I think it was the middle of two thousand. Oh, so early two thousand and twenty one, and I had eight applications. Um. And there were people who didn't have any weight experience or anything like that. It was just like um, somebody who wanted to be like, who was a truck driver, nurse, like things who were just, and a lot of older people who'd obviously been let go out of other positions, which was kind of disconcerting in its own way. Yeah, true. But I mean, I suppose, you know, life experience can be a great asset in hospitality as well, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm definitely noticing some people who, yeah, seem to have had experience in, in in other careers coming in, especially front of house. And, I mean, that that's great. Uh, you know, it's great, but it's it then perhaps, yeah, it is, yeah, you just you need those experienced staff as well. Oh, we have, yeah. We've got like a number of experienced staff and people who, like, we've got um, a couple of staff who have been here twenty years plus with us as well, and they're um, they're obviously the most valuable staff members, the ones, um, and then a few other ones who've had um, who like younger people who've come on board who actually actually have have significant hospitality experience as well. But um, it is that thing having the three prongs of the business is that hard part as well because you're advertising for multiple different positions, retail positions, hospitality positions, um, and then just takeaway staff as well. So it's, um, <laughs> it's always, I always feel like I'm running, uh, like we, like we like to joke that Seek's one of our um, most expensive employees. <laughs> <Because that's laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, always putting in the hard yards there. They are, they are. They're doing a lot of work for us. <laughs> and when you've got this sort of, you know, quite interesting and creative wine offering, I mean, that'll, that sounds like a challenge in terms of, I guess, servicing it because, you know, people really need to be steered towards wine that, you know, perhaps they're not um, familiar with. Do you, do you find that a particular challenge and, and how do you deal with that? Uh, yeah, we like we have always operated with that with that kind of left field wine list, but um, it is a, it, like it is quite a small list. So I think having the smaller lists um, requires people to ask like uh, like customers, especially to ask questions as to what particular like varietals they don't understand are. Um, we've always structured it in a pretty simple way, which we like we run it through lightest through to heaviest, so people can understand that it's like off. Oh, okay, so even if just just off just a simple thing, oh, if it's right down the bottom of the list, it's going to be a heavy white if I don't understand or a heavy red that's at the top then it's going to be light we also have always run specifically with no no sweeter wines nothing too punchy um, my sister's my sister's speciality is she's always liked quite subtle wines um, that's kind of her um her main focus and that's her like and the subtle subtle floral and slightly uh, with a little bit of berries and some mineral like mineral uh, sorry minerality um has always allowed us to kind of have wines which suit well um with seafood um so they we know um so people have been coming here for a while know that the wines are going to be within certain parameters they're not going to be thinking expecting anything to kind of out there or something that they they won't like they're not going to get a really overly sweet wine or they're not going to get an overly um overly punchy wine yeah that sounds like such a good approach so it's sort of so there is this sort of interest and you know things that people perhaps haven't tried before but with if they're within a certain yeah set of parameters then it's like you can it's almost like sounds like you can't really go too wrong no we can't we don't like we very rarely have somebody um say they don't like one of the wines like it's um and like that's all credit to my sister with that um um uh myself and my restaurant manager alessandra we do pick a few wines every now and then um but it's always with the um <laughs> with the approval of the overlord <laughs> <laughs> michaela what do you reckon yes, yeah. is there sam is there a is there a wine match for summer that you're particularly loving um, we've got a really beautiful Chenin Blanc on at the moment, which is um, uh, which like out of Vouvray, which is just an absolute killer, um, which we're loving at the moment. Um, and what else have we got? Um, oh, there's and there's like a, there's an Allegot, which is um, a style very similar to Chardonnay, but not quite as like woody. It's kind of more of a, it's not it's almost like an austere um, uh, Chardonnay, and they're two absolutely. To spectacular um, summer wines. And what do you reckon they go really well with? Um, the the um, uh, the Chenin Blanc just goes with anything kind of like sharp as well. Like it's um it's so because it kind of smooths it out a bit. Um, and the um uh, the Chardonnay just goes so like so the Allegot just goes perfectly with any of our white fish. Um, it's just just an absolute dream with it. Yeah, so good. And um, when I come to Woi Woi, what are some of the other things that people love to do in the area? Well, like it's like it seems like a quite a like simple thing to say, but the, the ferry that kind of stops next to us does like an hour round trip, and it's just it's awesome. It's a really beautiful ferry ride to do that. You can go to the beach um, around here. Then there's also lots of great little bars and and um, restaurants around here. I've got um, a few of my mates here in uh, Woiwoi have got some great uh, like probably the coolest pizza shop in Australia, uh, Tropicana Pizza Pizza. Uh, sorry, sorry, Tropicana Social Club, they now call themselves. And then I got um, my mates at Young Barons. Then down at um, Edelong, there's a burgeoning little scene going on as well with guys down at um, Lucky Bean, Osteria, Olcoccia. 
Um, so there's all these great little things happening in the area. We've kind of seen a massive um, demographic change, especially in the last five years where people moving up from the city um, are starting to actually – kind of create a scene that they've they've wanted they moved up here and they've they've got the beach they've got the good like kind of coastal lifestyle and now they're trying to create a bit of culture to the bring back a bit of culture to the area yeah it's so great i mean does that make you excited do you do you sort of welcome those additions to the landscape yeah, well, if, uh, like I found that up here is that everyone's – it's not really a competitive um, uh, scene. It's more of a – like it's a real prop-up scene, which is which is a really lovely thing is that everyone's always like um, trying to get behind each other and saying, well done, guys. You guys are like – like we're happy you're here. We, like you're adding to the area. It's not like, oh, shit, they're – like someone else has moved in here and they're like they're taking our stuff or anything like that. It's a really it's – re- it's a good prop-up scene. Mm, so good, and I mean, summer. I'm assuming is the busiest time. But what are the what are the rhythms during the year? And, and do you do you have a favourite season, Sam? Uh, I'm, I'm well. I'm, like I'm a real summer kid, <laughs> personally. Um, that's always my favourite area around here, just because. The area, like the area pumps, like I live, um, I've always been around here in, in Woiwoi, but I, but I live over in Avoca and it's, it's beautiful over there this summer year. We've got great, like great beach over there in Avoca and a good, a really good little, cool little community. Um, and then, um, uh, we have like for, um, uh, business wise, we, we go from normally from October long weekend all the way through the Anzac days, our big season. But, um, we've always tra- traditionally been still being pretty strong in winter, especially once everyone gets used to the cold people love and, and, and being a lunch venue as well. People like, like it doesn't get very cold during the day. Uh, so people just come and dine in our, like, like, like it almost acts like a, um, like a greenhouse, the restaurant <laughs> in the middle of winter. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, it just sounds sounds absolutely idyllic. Um, thank you so much for yeah sharing this story with us today, Sam. It's just yeah really makes me feel like I've got the can breathe in the salt air and um, yeah a dozen oysters on the way. So um, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy summer's day to have a chat to us here at Dirty Linen. No worries. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.